Well, we've taken quite the journey together over the last several weeks, huh? If you missed the week of this series, you can pick it up on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud. I mean, anything um, that you could think of, we're probably somewhere on it. But today I want to help you fix up your marriage because some of our relationships, let's just be honest, are in disarray. I heard about this husband who wanted to try to teach his wife a little lesson. So one Saturday morning while she was frying some eggs for breakfast, he burst into the kitchen yelling, careful, careful, put in some more butter. Oh my gosh, you're cooking it too many at once, too many. Turn them, turn them now. We need more butter. Where are we going to get more butter? They're going to stick. Careful. I said careful. You never listen to me when you're cooking. Never turn them. Hurry up. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Do not forget the salt. You know, you always forget to salt them. Use the salt. Use the salt. Finally, the wife threw up her hands and said, what in the world is wrong with you? You think I don't know how to cook in a couple of eggs? The husband calmly replied, I just wanted to show you what it feels like when I'm driving. <laughs> so there's no way around it, and relationships are full of challenges, let's be honest. And today, if your relationship feels a little rusty, a little old, dilapidated, and falling apart, I want you to know there's some things you can do to fix it up. Just like the house you live in, the relationship you live in might need some TLC, some fixing up. And today I want to tell you three things, just three things. Why not four? Because three is a good round number. Three things to help fix up your marriage. Number one, pull the weeds and plant the seeds. People love looking at beautiful lawns, but what I found is if you're constantly, if you're not constantly pulling weeds and planting seeds, the weeds will overtake the yard and the flowers won't come back up and what was once supposed to be beautiful and enjoyable and relaxing, exciting and rewarding will become overgrown, ugly, exhausting and draining. So here's my hunch that most of, maybe not most of you, how about some? Except most is kind of, that's a little bit too much. Huh? How about some of you have gotten in a relationship? Maybe you started dating and then you got engaged and then you got married in a landscape. Oh, it was beautiful. It was fun and exciting and the way you dreamed it to be. But it's not like that anymore. And perhaps the reason is you haven't been pulling the weeds and playing the seeds. But if you're going to fix up your marriage, it takes a lot of work. I want to teach you a principle. It's from the Bible. It's a simple one. And you might roll your eyes when I tell you about it. But it's one of those principles that can be applied to just about every area and aspect of your life. I think it's especially applicable um, to our relationships. It's the law that the Bible teaches us. That's true every single time with no exceptions. The fact is, let's do this. If we're going to put this verse on the screen, I want you to just read the first sentence out loud with me because it's the law. Galatians 6. Just read 7b for me. Man, we need some help with the. If we're a choir, we get fired. Let's try it one more time, class. Everybody read 7B together. Oh, there you go. Y'all do so good. There's the law applied to every situation. This is always true. A man, a human being, reaps what they sow. If you sow corn, you're not going to reap sweet potatoes, you're going to reap corn. Now, I know we're in a Christian setting, so I'll say it like this. If you sow corn, I don't care how much you pray, how much Bible you quote, you can fast till your belly button touches your spleen. You are not getting sweet potatoes, baby. You're going to get corn because a man reaps what he sows. You can hope and wish. You can pray. You can, you can you know, bind the devil in Jesus' name. But if you are planting corn, you are going to reap corn. 
That's right. What you put in the ground is what determines what comes out of the ground. Now, think about this. If you sow kindness, what does this mean? You're going to reap kindness in return. That's what it means. If, you, if someone smiles at you and you're likely to smile back at them, right? Because you reap what you sow. They're, but the Bible goes on to say in verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. That's the spiritual application, but you can make the same application relationally. Your relationships will destruct if all you do is try to please yourself and live for yourself relationally. But if you try to please God in your relationships, remember what we learned last week? What was it? Respect one another for what? Or out of reverence for who? Yes, for Christ. If you try to please God in your relationship, then your relationship will bring life. Here's the point. You don't just drift in the good relationships. Time just doesn't make relationships better. We said it in the Spanish service that the only thing that gets better with time is wine. Bad news doesn't get better with time. It's uh, like, well, I've been married three years, so I bet you when we hit 20 years, it'll be good. Why do you think that? Just because of time? Here's an idea. We have a terrible relationship. Let's have a kid. Because kids make everything better. How many people you like that? Hey, we're about to get divorced, but now we're going to get this kid and we're going to love this kid together. And that's the, the craziest stuff I ever heard in my life. So uh, I want a better relationship, so I'm going to sow a kid? No. Good relationships don't come easy. The people that have a 30s, 40, 50 years of marriage will tell you it has taken some work. you got to pull the weeds, cultivate the ground, plant only the seeds that you want to grow because you're going to reap what you sow. Simple, pastor, yes, but you see, some of us have been neglecting the weeds, and some of you have been planting the wrong seeds. You've been planting and and sowing critical words, and you've been sowing selfish attitudes, you've been sowing unforgiveness, you've been sowing seeds of distrust. You've been sowing the wrong stuff, and now it's growing. It's going to grow, because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It's going to grow, and you haven't done anything to pull the weeds. But here is the crazy part is not only do you reap what you sow, but you also reap where you sow. So let me tell you something. If you're interested in or investing loads of time and energy and passion and work, you're likely to, to succeed at work. But that doesn't mean you're going to have a good relationship. We talked about on Wednesday, you can be a provider, an awesome provider. That doesn't mean you are a good husband or wife. That just means you bring in money. You got some people, well, I come home, don't I? Well, congratulations, idiot. I come home to you every night, baby. I, I, I bring home the bacon. Yeah, but that's, that's cool. So you got lots of guys that will sow everything. You're going, you only have a, a, a finite amount of passion and energy and everything else. If you sow all of it in the work, you may be a good provider, but hey, you're giving to your family. They like you. They might not like you, but they're going to like your money. You may get on their nerves, but so you're providing. That doesn't mean you have a good marriage. See, you are sowing there at work, so you're going to reap at work. If you're investing loads of time and energy and passion to friendships, that friendship is likely to grow. If you're sowing lots of time and energy and passion in the hobbies, that's where it's going to grow. Some of you are sowing a lot of time into gaming and social media and parenting and all that, which is do whatever you want to do. But none of that means a good marriage because you're going to you reap what you sow, but you also reap where you sow. You can't say, well, I'm going to work really hard at work. That's going to give me a good marriage. No, you're going to reap at work. You're not going to reap at the house. We got it all crazy. 
But perhaps the reason you're stuck in relationship purgatory is simply because you're sowing in the wrong place. You know, Brother Jonathan, it's funny. As soon as it gets warm, there's this truck that comes through my neighborhood spraying green junk on everybody's lawn. It's sowing seeds with green paint. It looks like a green lawn. It's just a cover-up. Listen, get them people if you want to. I don't even know what they're called. It's like, hey, for $9,000, you want me to paint your lawn green? It'll be really good until winter. No, you can keep your, your green seedy paint. Blah, blah, I'll do my own work. But see, we want everybody else to do our own work in our marriage too. There is no truck that's going to come and help plant seeds in your marriage. There's nobody going to come and, and do it for you. See, we live in a, in a world where, where if I can't do it, I'll get somebody else to do it for me. That's fine. I'm not saying cut your own grass if you don't want to. If, if you make $700 an hour and it takes you two, two hours to cut the grass, pay somebody 100 bucks to cut the grass. I mean, don't be dumb. Unless you, it's relaxing. Yeah, but, but if, if, it, if you make $1,500 in two hours and you're going to... Why would you spend two hours cutting grass? So I'm not saying make bad decisions. What I'm saying is nobody can do this for you. You have to do it yourself. So my question is, are you sowing time and energy and passion into anything that makes your relationship better? Well, we go to church together. That's going to make it better, right, Pastor? Maybe spiritually, but that's not going to give you a better marriage. Oh, but we do things together. We go out to eat. You would eat if you were single. Because your relationships will only get better when you pull the weeds and plant the seeds in your relationship. See, someone once said, our marriage is only as good as we decide for it to be. So my marriage is terrible. You decided that. No, I didn't decide it. They're, they're messed up, Pastor. No, 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 no. Remember, because we got to respect one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's as good as you want it to be. Like them old timers say, you can have as much of God as you want. So if, you don't, if, if you're like, I just don't feel God, I feel like God's not in my life, well, then you're making that decision. So if you have a terrible marriage, you've made that decision. Your marriage is only as good as you decide for it to be. Some of you need to decide for this season in my life, I'm going to sow in my relationship. And everything else that I've been sowing into that doesn't have a positive impact on my relationship or my marriage is on hold indefinitely. When your marriage is great, go do your hobbies, man. If you like... Um, Golf or tennis, badminton, TV surfing, whatever, you, whatever your hobby is, do it, man. But if your marriage is in trouble, you better stay home and wash the dishes, bro. Stop investing in that. You're not going to play on the PGA. You aren't as good as you. You're terrible. You were terrible. Have you ever went to a, a PGA event? Them boys are bad. You will, I don't care if you can dunk a basketball. You're not going to play the NBA. I don't care if you can throw a football. You ain't gonna, you're not Tom Brady. Go invest into something that's actually going to give you some rewards. I like fish. Go buy fish. Buy it. Buy it. Stop drowning worms and beating stuff up. I like it. I like it. You just spent six hours on a Saturday away from your wife, and you say you got a terrible marriage? Fish. You dumb. Spend that time with your woman. Come on, we got to get to work on this relationship and pull the weeds and plant the seeds. So number two, you're going to keep it clean. If you like fishing, go on a fish. Just take your woman with you. See how that works out for you. Amen. We got some, I forgot we're in the salad. Amen. I'm going to take him with me. <laughs> Praise God. Number two, you got to keep it clean. I like clean stuff, man. I mean, I like clean house. Not that I clean my house much. I mean, Nora does an awesome job with it. But I like clean house. I like my office clean. I don't like to walk into an office where people use the top of their desk as filing. Especially when they kick everything over. 
I'm like, man. Uh, I, I like my clothes clean, like my vehicle clean when it's not raining every five seconds and getting junk everywhere. I like clean. I think that you can judge a lot by a person, how they keep their house and keep their vehicle. <laughs> Gabriel's like, oh, brother, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> if your vehicle is nasty and disorganized, guess what two adjectives come to mind when I look at you? I mean, y'all are mean. If your house, if I need to get a lawn rake to come in your front door, hmm, I like stuff clean. So how many of y'all are like me, kind of like to clean stuff? Raise your hands, raise your hands. Okay, so the half of y'all are nasty, that's fine. I, I got it. I got it. I guess that's okay. That's what makes the world go around, you know? It's, uh, but how many people are in relationship with a clean freak? Okay, okay. You're, you're in a relationship with a clean freak? We're going to talk. I'm talking to your daddy. <laughs> Right, and it's because usually opposites attract. You know, you got a really clean one, and you got one that's like, hey, it's cool. I'll just turn them inside out. You know, you got those people. You know, you got one that's a saver and one that's a spender. If you got two spenders, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you and protect you in Jesus' name. One of you is always early, and the other is more creative with the rival time that will probably be late to the rapture. Sorry, Lord, I couldn't figure out what I was going to wear. You got those people. And the one's the early bird, and one's the night owl. Opposites attract. But here's the problem with opposites. They do attract, but they fight different. They fight different. See, Nora and I, Nora and I obviously we're opposites. She is not my daughter. They mess with me at work all the time. Like, oh, I didn't know you had three sons and a daughter. That's my wife, dude. I know she's short, but that's my, my wife, man. Um, but but she, she, we're different. I mean, she doesn't eat much. I like to eat everything. She's, she's quiet. I'm sort of quiet ish I mean, it's opposite she she likes to stay up like late like she'd be up two or three in the morning i get up at three in the morning um but but we fight different as well we talk about the four horsemen opposite to track which means you're the two or three or one of your the horsemen that you have your partner probably doesn't have so here's the thing is that in a relationship when you have opposite to track they're going to fight different and you got to make sure that fight doesn't turn dirty I'm saying that if you want to fix your marriage, you got to keep it clean when you fight. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 3, 8, uh, NIV. Finally, yes, Lord, all of you be like-minded. Uh-oh. Be sympathetic. Oh, Chris is getting hard already, brother. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. At least I got one of them. I'm not saying it was the last one. I just said well, I got one of them. <laughs> I love that concept. You know, some versions say, be of one mind. You see, conflict, if dealt with correctly, can be the, the way that relationships get on the same page. So here's something. Here, let, let, let me help you. Let me help you. In, in, in every service today, I've been seeing people go like this. <laughs> I'm just going to have y'all sit facing each other. This would be great. <laughs> when you're in conflict with a person you love, your goal should be that we are learning to be of one mind. Instead of everything going, when, when you guys are not like-minded, then that means it's an opportunity that we're, we are learning how to be in one mind. See, learning to be in agreement. And the one mind here doesn't mean your mind, okay? You with me? Somebody once said, marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other is a husband. You know who said that? A woman, yes. This is not what I'm saying of the one mind. I'm saying you have to be in agreement. 
I'm saying you come together with one mind, and the way that you do this is in the midst of conflict to have compassion, to be tenderhearted, to be courteous. When you're in a conflict, you got to remember. Here, here's the thing. All right, if you're, gonna, if, you, if you're a writer downer, please write this down. Healthy marriages, when they are in conflict, they fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. If you're fighting to win, fighting to make your point, to get your way or be the stronger, louder, better person, you aren't keeping it clean. Now, I have an addiction. It is not drugs, alcohol, or other women. It is I'm addicted to being right. And I will fight for my right. I just want to be right. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Poor Nora, she can say something to me, and all of a sudden, if, if, if I smell baloney or something else, begins with that letter, <clears throat> I will try to be right and call it out. And, and why? I'm addicted to being right. I should, if, if Nora and I have conflict, it should be to find resolution, not to have victory. That's all. Try that. See, you got to be on the same team. You're in the same court. You're going for the same goal, and sometimes getting through the conflict cleanly is how you get there. Why am I saying this? Is because y'all don't fight clean. You know the one or two things you can say to your spouse to set them off. You know exactly where that button is, and you'll push it. It's kind of like, say I won't. Say I won't. Huh? What? what? And you know it. All of a sudden, a little bitty thing that you could get resolution, now it's a ginormous fight. Because you said that one thing, you try to set them off. Fight clean. You know I don't like boxing? Because they got rules. All right, we want a clean fight, come out. And I don't want a clean fight, man. I want to see UFC, dude. I want to see someone get choked out in four seconds. I don't want to see 12 rounds of... <laughs> and stop dancing and kick him in the face. Do you have a violence problem, Pastor? Yes, I do. I'm working on it. I, I want to see... I, I don't want to see 12 rounds of guys running around the ring. <clears throat> Take me back to the early Mike Tyson era where if you went and got nachos, the fight was over. You better not leave. <laughs> so that's, that was the only time boxing was good for me. You better fight clean when it comes to your marriage. But how do you fight clean? Fighting clean is to fight for resolution, not victory. And lastly, see, we're going to make it easy. You got to protect the house. Is there anybody that is a light sleeper? Like you're a light sleeper. Okay, I know where Jonathan is. If you wake Jonathan up, he'll be up for a week. <laughs> Have you ever been sleeping? And your wife's snoring, or whatever, maybe you're snoring, whatever it is. And you hear the sound. You jump up, and it's, you know someone's in the house. So you tap into your inner ninja. And you walk through Legoland, and you grab some plastic toy that you're going to do battle with. Down the stairs you go, checking out everything. It's fine. You've been there, right? You were like, I'm a Jackie Chan, this person with some, like a half a Mr. Potato Head. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> But then there's other times where you, your wife is snoring, or maybe that was you. You hear the noise, you're like, man, oh, I'm so tired. I just don't really feel like it. I'll let them come in if they want to. <laughs> it's the same noise in the same house, different reaction, sad. I mean, it's funny in a story, it's sad when it's in a relationship, when... You used to work at it. You used to put time and energy into it. You used to make it a priority. You used to care. But now because of time and hurt 
and disappointment and unmet expectation and broken promises. You're just too tired to care anymore. Hmm. Get serious. If I start getting funny, it's coming. Just put your guard up. <clears throat> what happened? We used to care. We used to care. You know when you couldn't sleep when you had a little argument and now you just roll over like, you used to care. Be mad if you want to. I'm going to go to sleep. You used to care. I'm telling you today, it's time to protect the house. Don't give up. Protect your house. Nobody's going to do it for you. There is nobody coming to help you. I like that one guy, that one YouTuber. He just says, no one is coming to save you. No one's coming. Figure it out yourself. No one's coming for you. And sad, but this is sad, but true. Sad, I say sad, but true. Don't get offended. But most people don't care if your marriage fails or not. They could care less. They got their own problems. Nobody's coming for you. There is no truck to spray green, you know, tinted seed, booger juice, whatever, all over your ground and to charge you for it to make it look like you have good lawn. All that is is dye. It's fake anyway. Nobody's coming to help you. Nobody's going to help you protect your house. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Nehemiah, and he's leading his people to rebuild the walls that surrounded Jerusalem. I love this story. I preach way too much on this guy. And the walls have been torn down for years, and the city's been left unprotected. It was constantly under attack and threat of invasion. And one time, thing got so bad in the midst of rebuilding that Nehemiah told the men to work with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. It was so bad. Could you imagine going to work tomorrow? And the threat of attack was so bad that you had to do all your work with a weapon in your hand. This is what Nehemiah said in chapter 4, 14. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I think another way to say it would be fight for your relationships. Fight for your family. Fight for it. Nehemiah was like, I know it's hard. It seems like as soon as you try to rebuild, the enemy is coming. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. Nobody cares when the walls are down. Nobody cares when your marriage is in shambles. As soon as you try to fix it, here they come. Nehemiah was like, I know it's hard, but no one's coming for you. Work while you protect. Protect the house. Work while, pastor, it's too much work. I know, when's the last time you worked with a hammer and a sword in your hand? It's difficult. It's too much. I can't do it. I know you can't do it. I know you can't do it on your own. I understand that. But it's the most valuable thing that you have is your marriage. I know there's a couple of things, a couple Wednesdays ago, and Tammy was saying, I think what everybody says, we've gone way too far to start over. We've gone so far. We got kids with double digits. I got a 25-year-old son. I got 16 and 9. Where am I going my old behind? Nobody wants me. What am I going to start all over for? Just, why? Why would I not start with the one that I fell in love with 20 years ago? Why would I not start there? Why do I always think there's something better? See, stop treating him like he's disposable. Stop treating her like she's a commodity. Protect your house. Why? Why does, why does, does Nehemiah not have any compassion? This is what he says. In Nehemiah 4 and 20, when you're fighting, when you're building the wall, you have a weapon in one hand, a hammer in the other, then our God will fight for us. It's a then. It never said, just do whatever you want and God will fight for you. 
just sit on your behind and cross your arms and cross your legs and God will fight for you. He says, no, you start working. Put something in your hand. Build to protect and fight. Then, then, when you're doing your part, then God will fight for us. I'm telling you today on the authority of God's word, do your part. And he or she does her part or their part. I believe God will do his part to give us great relationships. Pastor, you understand it's hard. Yes, I do. I understand it's hard. You need to, you need to talk to Nora. No, you don't understand it's hard. Yes, I do. I live with Pastor. She knows. It's hard. I get on your nerves for 45 minutes. She has to live with me forever. Don't talk to me. Go give her a hug. <laughs> but don't give up. Don't quit. And don't just relationship be status quo. Fight for it. Protect your house. I know none of y'all went to the altar like, Lord, this is not my first choice. But I'll just take the status quo. No, you went to the altar like, look, Lord, thank you. You gave me a bad one. You were so happy. You were, you were so happy. God, I'm a lover. I'm a protector. You were like, I'm going to cherish him and I'm going to spoil him. And then what happened? Life smacked you in the face like a freight train. And all of a sudden, here come the kids, and here come the work, and here comes the bills, and here comes the, whoa, what, what happened? Life. But none of you said, you know what? I am so glad we're here at this altar. Babe, 20 years from now, we're going to have the most average marriage ever. Isn't that great? That's awesome pillow talk right there. Hey, you know what? We'll barely be married, but we'll still be together. Four ulcers later and, and some therapy, we'll, we'll be all right. No, but we don't fight for it anymore. And we don't see it. Have you ever been over to somebody's house and they got the carpet? And you see something, like, oh yeah, that's the grape juice stain. Don't worry about that. We're going to change the carpet. Anybody, you step over that. Okay, then you look at the mural that's on the wall of crayon and Sharpies. Oh yeah, no, no, don't worry about that. That's just, we're going to paint that anyway. And then you're like in the bathroom, how do you flush the toilet? Well, see, the, the thing you think that's broken, so what we do is take the top off, and we take a five gallon bucket, we just fill it. Oh, but, but well, we're going to get that fixed. You live with broken junk and refuse to fix it. And the only time you actually see it because you're numb to it is when somebody else walks through your life and looks at how can you live like this? What, everybody doesn't fill their toilet up with a five gallon bucket? No. Everybody doesn't have like a, a big stain in their, their carpet and doesn't let they have paintball war upstairs. No, 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 we don't live like that. Oh, but here's what's crazy is you don't even see it. You live with it so long, you don't even see it. Don't laugh, guys. Don't laugh because you think the house is the woman's spot. What about the guys that like you try to, hey, don't put the back window down because it don't come up. Or if you do it, grab it and pull up the glass. Would you take it to the shop? We live with all kind of crazy broken junk. Why? There's a word for it. It's Latin. It's called lazy. We live with all kind of broken stuff. Don't do that in your marriage. So what do we got to do? Oh, this is the recap. What do we got to do? Pull the weeds and plant the seeds, right? Got to keep it clean. Fight clean. How do you fight clean? Fight for resolution and not for victory. And protect your house. What do you mean by protect your house? Fight for what you got. Fight for what you got. So, my question is, 
now that you know about the four horsemen, now that you know that we have to respect one another out of reverence for Christ, now that you know that we have to pull the weeds and plant the seeds, keep it clean and protect the house, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Why are you asking this, Pastor? Okay, here's, this is how you ruin a, this is how you ruin a message. You ready? This is how you ruin it right now. I'm going to set the whole thing. It's going to fire right now. Um, how many people are keeping up with their New Year's resolution? Okay, thank you. We know what to do. Was, don't, don't raise your hand, but was anybody's New Year's resolution to lose a little bit of weight? We just can't seem to do it. We can't seem to do it. But there's so much information. You know, here, I'll help you. Um, eat less, move more. You ready? Move more, eat less. I can say it both ways. I can write a book. You ready? It's a one-page book. Move more, eat less. Or eat less, move more. We, we, it, the knowing is not the, our problem. It's the doing. We just gave you four weeks of marriage. I taught you how to ruin it and how to save it in a month. What are we going to do with it? Like, hey, appreciate that, Pastor. Because yeah, Ian will do this to me. Hey, Dad, it's a good series. What you preaching next? I'm like, boy, can I finish what I'm doing right now? It's like, good night. I got to finish. Don't mess with me. I, I can't focus. I got like ADD and, and OCD, and that's probably all the letters I got. I don't have a PhD, but, I, but those are better anyway, right? Uh, but we're always on to the next. What's next? What's next? What's next? How about what's now? Are we using what we got? So I have a treat for you, and I'm not going to tell you an altar call. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not preaching next week. I'm not even coming. That's right. But I know who is preaching. And I'm going to be watching. Whenever Brother Jonathan preached for us next Sunday. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Why do you, why do you get excited? Why are you telling this pastor? It's because I'm tired of hearing myself talk. Don't hear myself talk. I can't wait to hear something from a new voice and a new perspective. Um. But here's the thing is that next week you guys are going to hear an awesome message. My question is, what are you going to do with that one? Are, and, and what are you going to do with this? How do you keep up with it all? How do you keep up with it all? They asked me, what am I going to eat on vacation? Brother Matt, you know what I told them? Everything. <laughs> I have a map of the resort, Jonathan, and I know Every, they got a steakhouse, a sushi place, Mexican, Italian. They're going to know me by name. Like, hello, Mr. Craig, come on in. Here's your table right here. here right in the front by the buffet, big fat boy. Um, they're going to know me. They're going to know me. They're going to know me. So, but I'm going to make sure that I watch in between bites of goodness. But how do we, how do we keep up with it all? How do we keep up with it all? So that's why I like people who take notes. I mean, I like people who don't take notes too. Um, but let's be honest. How many people take notes and go back to them? Oh, smart people. You are smart people. So can anybody name the four horsemen? You already know. You, you, I don't know if I, know if I could name them. <laughs> I was like, someone please help me. Please help me. Mm -hmm. We talked about antidotes for all of those. Go back and visit it. Why? Because you know what's going to happen? We're going to hear a really good message next Sunday. 
Then I got to figure out what I'm going to preach again. And about two months into this, we're going to forget everything. Go back to it. Go back to it. Because those horsemen, you know, will love to come back when you forget. So as you stand with me. Does anybody know who I quoted last week more than I quoted the Bible? Bain. Yeah, I like Bain. The whole week, people walk around my house. Peace has cost you your strength. Victory has defeated you. But as soon as I start saying that, they remember the message. Remember the message. Why did I say that? Because I like Bain? Yeah, well... I mean, he's ready for COVID at least. But it's true. Eight years, Batman didn't do anything. He had the same costume, but he was weak. You can't coast through your relationship and not do anything for eight years. You may look like the same spouse, but you're weak. You don't fight anymore. You don't try anymore. That's dangerous. I asked this, and I don't know how many people remembered it. Please do not answer, because we're in church, and I do not want to have to fix this. I'm making a mess. Don't answer. I'm gonna, it's a rhetorical question, ladies. But is what your man doing? Is he making you feel like the most beautiful woman to walk the face of the earth right now? Men, is what your wife doing? Does she make you feel like you are the last Pepsi on, in the desert? I mean, she make you feel like you are the man. You sh they should. They should. Why? Because it's not enough for me to think it. I have to say it. So, here's how we fix it. Outlove your spouse every day. Wake up in the morning. It's the time you go to bed and try to outlove them while they outlove you. Don't get weak. Don't let your victory, just because I got him, I got this ring up. He put a ring on it. Well, that's awesome, Beyonce. I appreciate that. Um, but what else? Work at it every single day. And the biggest one for me, I think, Pastor, what's your biggest takeaway of the whole entire mess, the whole entire series for me is that I need to fight for resolution and not for victory. Because I like to win, Chris. Especially in conversations. And you guys think I'm being crazy. People who know me, I love confrontation. If I find anything in what you're saying, if I find discrepancy, I love to jump all in it. I'm not saying I'm this, this right. But the biggest thing for me, my takeaway, is I don't need to be right. I need to fix it with my wife. I need resolution, not victory. So wherever you are, whatever stuck out in this series, I want you to take that into prayer right now. And as Todd sings, whatever it is for you, Whatever it is for you. If you're like, I'm not going to criticize. I'm just going to go plain. Okay, well, take that. Whatever, whatever spoke to you in the last, if nothing spoke to you in the last four weeks, I'm sorry. I'm doing an injustice. Maybe you'll get something um, next time. But whatever spoke to you, I want you to take that in prayer. Could we just come and find a place to pray around the altar? Could we just come up here? Please kind of move from your seats. Don't worry. We're not going to call you out and lay hands on you if you don't want to. We're just, let's everybody just kind of move around a little bit.